Grand rising, everyone. I like how much you love spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Yum. So good. Still on that pumpkin. So let's get started. The Emerald Tablet, Alchemy for Personal Transformation. Um, and as you know, we're talking about the laws of correspondence. Um, going into the one thing and what the one thing is um, and talking about how to create from the one thing. Um, and so we will continue on. Okay. So we talked about um, the Testament, Book of Proverbs. Um, they considered it the biblical em emerald tablet. Um, that I, the one thing, may cause those that love me to inherit substance and will fill their treasures. Okay. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from the everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was, uh, where there was no depths. I was brought forth um, when there were no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills I was brought forth so again talking about how the one thing was fashioned from the one mind and understanding that that's what it is okay in the a chapter of the book of proverbs we see the creation from the viewpoint of the one thing in the divine pymander we see it's through the one mind in both cases it is the one thing that is transformed to bring about new creation so we're transforming our life to bring about new creation. If we try to picture the one thing, it appears as a chaotic mass full of churning primordial energy, such as that described in Revelations of Hermes, um, is also seen as the pre-existing given in the evolution in the universe as described in the Bible. One thing is completely autonomous and independent on nothing for its existence usually invisible the one thing can also be thought of as a, a morphic field an interdimensional force that is part of the very fabric of space now when we look at this from what science is trying to do because we know that there was this split right um where we went totally left brain and we're like science what are the facts and we started to say, oh, theory of everything, we can we can describe everything in a mathematical equation. Um, and then mathematicians started going, um, physics and everybody, they started going, well, not necessarily. When we get into quantum physics, we don't have a way to describe it. Now, when we look at quantum physics, we're talking about the chaos. We don't know, we can't, it's not linear. It's not, there's no way to totally describe what's happening in the quantum realm. They don't understand it. And so we would say that that's that chaotic mass that they're talking about, that churning, primordial energy. And that 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 morphic field, right? It's an interdimensional force that is part of the very fabric of space. So space itself looks like there's nothing there. When we look out with our own eyes, are we... Um, put our hand through space we 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 almost feel like there's nothing there but there is and it's this chaos it's this we don't understand it when we start to look at it through or observe it through um these lenses right or we scientifically look at it we see that there's this big chaotic mess and we don't know what to do with it we can't make sense of it now we can almost relate to this and understand it through our dreams in your dreams, it's a chaotic mess. We try to put order to our dreams when we're dreaming. And sometimes we're like, well, that kind of made sense, but it really didn't make sense. We can't even describe our dreams at times because it's all over the place. We would say that dreaming is like tapping into the quantum world where everything and nothing exists and anything and nothing is possible. It's like, what the hell happened? How did I jump from this to that all at the same time? Or how is it that the house is sort of like a truck, but it's also a warehouse at the same time, right? We're like, what the hell is this? And we're trying to make sense of it. But we can cause, we can create from the chaos and we can create order from the chaos in some fashion. And that's what we've done. Especially when we've constructed the world and buildings and, and all of our craft. 
we've taken what what is chaos for instance i like to talk about the mug a lot and i've talked about it before my coffee mug right this is actually a potter made this mug but before it was a mug it was dirt sand clay it was just a soup of mess the grains of sand didn't have very an order they were just spread out and then someone put it together and fashioned it into an order into something functional it's the same thing same concept that's why alchemy is practical that's why we say use spiritual alchemy in your life you could do this with your thoughts and your emotions right when we dream or when we have these chaotic thoughts and i will say anxiety is a big one i don't know how you guys feel about anxiety i can tell you that mine is on more than ever something i never experienced until about a year ago i didn't even know what anxiety was till a year ago so for those who've had it their whole life please i i, I give you lots of prayer <laughs> and love and light but it's understanding from that chaotic space that chaotic feeling inside how do we find order to it how do we how do we utilize that energy and reshape it, remold it, and find harmony in the crazy, in the chaos? So the one thing is completely autonomous and independent on nothing for its existence, usually invisible. The one thing can also be thought of as a morphic field, an interdimensional force that is part of the very fabric of space. When actually perceived by individuals, it takes on a variety of forms that often depend on the person's unconscious expectations moses saw it as a bush that burned with fire that was uh not consumed while modern man is likely to conceive of this fire in the sky or a ufo okay so again it's these plate and there's this picture of the chaos right where there's fire and it's just it's a primordial craziness that's going on there and how do we bridge it and bring it together? Over the last two millennia, alchemists have written millions of words trying to describe the one thing in terms of the first matter, a theoretical substance everywhere to be found. Perhaps the simplest description, however, is given in a 25,000-year-old words of the Chinese Lao Tzu. Um, there, is, uh, there is a thing confusedly formed, born before sky and earth. In the silence and the void, standing alone and unchanging, ever-present and in motion, it is capable of being the mother of all. Here's where we get into the mother, and this is the biggest piece that, hey, GP man, um, here's the biggest thing um, that has changed. Hey, Christina, good morning, that we understand the, the first, the, the chaos we can say is the mother. Now, I was talking about how science split. Now, we could say science is the father. Chaos, the mother, science, the father. For us to observe and understand it. This preconceived thing. So when we go back, right, really when we go back in history, um, when we think about God, God was in the one thing was woman, right? Was a woman that held this dark chaos. And, and then it became the one thing. So the one mind being a bridge between the one thing, that chaos, that bridge between, because it's born out of something. This is where duality sort of arose, the idea of duality or the way that we see duality in the world now. The womb holds the chaos. Think about it. Um, you can think about it in gender. Okay, man and woman, you can. And it's the easiest way to understand it. Women hold this, so in their body, right, before even the fetus is born, it's this like soup of stuff. It's It has no order. And then it starts to shape and mold. It's the same thing. It's And it's kind of like... Um, there's a lot of uh, like new age movies that kind of um, speak to this concept where um, we can see like Doctor Strange, right? Where they pull their shield and they start to conjure up this energy and that energy is their chi and that chi's coming from where? It's coming from that, that, one, that one thing, that matter. It's pulling it together and it's, it's making something powerful 
kind of like the universe was creative. It was just there, and then it just kind of shaped and pulled matter together and exploded into something. So it's there. We just can't see it, and it's pulling it together. There's a new um, series out. Um, it's the the circle of time or the, I can't remember, the wheel of time, the wheel of time. And they pull their energy from the force field, from the earth, from the light. They pull from the light. It's the same thing. It's there. You can't see it, but it's there. And it is the one thing. And it's chaotic until we pull it together into something meaningful. But it's, of course, not as easy, right? Easier said than done. Okay. And it's the mother. So that's a big one, okay? So the fir the elusive first matter. For alchemists, the one thing was the prima minertia, materia. <laughs> Say that wrong. Anyway, for the first matter, the common source of all things on all levels. This plastic, morphing, chaotic, massa confusa was essentially irresentable, um, uh, though it did not stop them from trying to describe it. Sometimes they refer to it as the first matter, as the earth of paradise, which was, which they depicted as a pair of poisonous serpents or fire-breathing dragons to emphasize its bisexual nature and to warn other alchemists that it could be dangerous for mortals to handle the heavenly earth. Handle the, heavenly earth. the alchemists also portrayed the first matter as the root of itself, and its primary symbol became the Ouroboros. Drawing of the Ouroboros carried captions, readings, all is one, or one thing is all. The circular snake, okay, was the one, okay, so here, um, was sometimes shown as the half light or the half dark body, alluding to the time shown, uh, oh, sorry, alluding to the opposing principles of creation depicted in the yin-yang symbol of the Chinese Tao which is yet another classic symbol of the one thing. Here's the cool thing, okay, symbology. And this is why symbols are so critical. People use symbols and don't really understand the esoteric meaning behind them and the wisdom that they hold. Really, really critical uh, to understand. Why? Because it helps us to co-create. Symbols are just symbols, but symbols have meaning. And if we understand their meaning, then we can utilize them. We can utilize them in our own personal alchemy. And people see these symbols and sometimes they're like, oh, that's evil. It's not evil. They go back and read about certain symbology. What is the meaning behind it? The snake being one that is used in so many mythology, right? Um, the serpent or the serpent being, um, you know, sort of vindictive or manipulative, right? Um, they talk about the snake being that that way but the snake offers us so many other meanings and it's a powerful energy that we can work with in kundalini we talk about the the snake rising the energy actually flowing to and from our body and opening up the chakra systems and allowing those systems to be open to receive at the the energy to allow it to flow like a snake moving through us, flowing around in and out. So understanding symbology is really important. Sometimes the same idea was portrayed by two fighting dragons at each other's throats, releasing inherent male and female energies that recombined in their shared blood. The principle expressed in the dueling dragons and the Ouroboros is that ultimately the one mind and the one thing are the same eternally flowing into to another in an endless mobius loop of creation and so we can see that energy right we even have um there's sort of that depiction of a person sitting in meditation the chakras are open and we see this kind of circular flow or energy in and out right it's it's almost like it's around us. It goes around us and through us, around us, and it looks like this big circle sphere is around us. That energy circular. Now there's depictions that I have in sacred geometry to show what it might look like. 
we can see it as in a maybe 2D uh, understanding, we can see it as an upward facing pyramid and a downward facing pyramid. And I would call that the microcosm. Microcosm being us and what we experience here on the planet. And we see it in the body because the body is constructed like almost like two pyramids, right? If we looked at the upper body as the upward facing pyramid and the lower body is the lower facing pyramid, um, we can say that we ourselves are this synergy of energy moving through two sort of pyramids almost like almost like the sands of time if we look at the sands of time we can see that there are two pyramids and in between is the energy that flows the difference being that once the energy hits the bottom if our if we're open and our chakras are are working properly and we're using our energy and our body vessel correctly the energy moves up and through the mind again and it creates this circular energy around us and people will say that that's a shield they'll say they can see their aura their light that's how you do it now it happens by what it happens by us using our vessel understanding our vessel is the alchemy it is the actual place where the elixir lives where the philosopher's stone lives in us we are the holy grail we have everything we need to transcend time space and to connect into and to allow that energy to flow now that's that takes and this book will even go into it the consummation good morning the rock of the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine in our inside of us right we're constantly looking like they say for our other half well our other half is in us we just have to learn to work with it when we actually consummate the sacred feminine and masculine inside of us then we can start to build and heal the the chakras and that those energy fields right which secrete hormones into the body allow us to find a balance and harmony in the body to get everything working the way it should and the energy field that surrounds us is a field of protection this is also a clue in um manifestation and magnetism it's so like for instance if you held a shield that was so strong people couldn't even penetrate your bubble there, there, no one, no one could penetrate your bubble. If you were solid and grounded and you were able to synergize this bubble, this aura around you, then people who had ill intent couldn't even come because your force field is too much. They couldn't penetrate it. You would be radiating love and harmony and light. And that force field can be expanded further than we can even understand. So when we see that these these people and they talk about, you know, in myth, how, um, you know, Buddha walked over the, the rainbow bridge or, you know, you talk about how, oh, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and and he was pure light and all this stuff. What they're talking about is our aura. And and being able to maintain our body in harmony so again we have the sacred feminine and masculine within us okay here is the mystery declared in the ancient Greek alchemy text the serpent or Ouroboros Ouroboros I don't know if I'm saying that right is the composition which in our work is devoured and melted, dissolved and transformed. It becomes dark green from which the golden color derives. Its stomach and back are the color of saffron. Its head is dark green. Its four legs, its four imperfect metals, lead, copper, tin, and iron. Its three ears are a sublimate vapor, sulfur, mercury, and salt. Mercury and salt. The one gives the other its blood. And one in endangers the other. Nature rejoices in nature. Nature charms nature. Nature triumphs over nature. And nature masters nature. And this is not from one nature opposing another, but through the one and the same nature. 
through the alchemical process with great care and great effort. Alchemical drawings depict the first matter in a variety of other forms. Um, some show it as a square stone, while the others depict eight-pointed stars or luminous spheres. So the lexicon of alchemy, first published in 1612, gives 84 synonyms for the first matter. Among the most significant code words were the Philosopher's Stone, which is what I talked about just a second ago. Um, the Ore of Hermes, Bird of Hermes, Tatar of uh, Philosophers, Water of Life, uh, Milk of Virgin, Urine of Boys, Spit of the Moon, Celestial Dew, Virtue of Mercury, Heart of the Sun, the Rainbow Flower of the Sun, Seed of the World, Shadow of the Sun, Sulfur of Nature, Sun of the Sun, and Moon, Soul of Saturn, Spiritual Blood, um, the sacrifice, Sacrificial Lamb, Grapes of the Vine, Menstrum, the Bride, um, the Salamander, the Ugly Toad, and Dung. So here we have all of the ways that they depict, right? Um, the lexicon of alchemy, the first matter. What does that look like? How did it come to be? Now we can see it in science. We maybe call it Bose Higgins or whatever the hell they call it. Boson, Bose. Um, help me with this, you guys. Okay. Um, it's been a while since I've read up on um, um, quantum physics. I used to read quantum physics books. But I know Bose Higgins, or Bose Higgs, Higgins, I think it's what it is, whatever. Anyway, CERN trying to understand the first matter. That's what they were trying to do is figure out how did the first matter come? Was there this thing as Bose Higgins? Um, and was there a way that it collected matter to create it? And they're trying to figure out what does that look like? How did, how did, it, how did the first matter begin? Now, that's fine that they were trying to do this, but they don't really know what the result of that's going to be. And I think after they did some crazy shit like that, who knows what kind of weirdness they created. We don't know. I mean, people have claimed mandala effect, right? All of those things that have come out of what was uh, done at CERN, which we still don't know, right? Smashing particles together. I mean, nobody knows the consequences of what they're doing. They're just doing it to prove what? That they can create universes, that they're gods. I don't know. <laughs> and what they're doing um, is perhaps messing with things that they shouldn't. And, you know, I think that if we look back in history, we look back at um some of the alchemists we can say that civilizations fell and i think they fell because they were screwing with things they shouldn't they were trying to manipulate to become god perhaps you already are so i don't know what they're trying to do i don't know if they're trying to be the ultimate god like no human vessel could even handle all of that energy so i don't know what it is that they're trying to to, to do <laughs> I mean, I do. I think they're trying to create whole new universes is what they're trying to do. And literally not understanding what ripple effects, what consequences are going to happen. So fine, go ahead and play. But really, civilizations have done this in the past. And I think this is why we've seen um, great floods, right? We see that there, if you go back into some of these, um, I can't remember where it is. But I know that uh, people died of radiation. Like there was this huge, I don't know if it was a power plant that went off. I don't know what happened to these people, but they died instantly from radiation. It was not good. So these civilizations were messing in places they shouldn't. And right now that's what we do. You see, we don't learn. Probably the smartest, dumbest species on the planet. <laughs> Ah, we don't pay attention. We don't learn. I don't know what the heck. Um, okay, not surprisingly, it is said that all who have written about the first matter concealed its true nature. However, we do get distinct impressions that the first matter is a subtle substance rejected or taken for granted by most people. Our material is stuff of no price or value. 
declares one alchemist. Whoever comes across it hardly troubles to pick it up. Much money does not buy it. It is thrown in the ways of both poor and the rich. Alchemists are often uh, commented that the first matter is something that all of us discard in our youth as having no value, when in fact it is the most powerful thing we encounter in life. Although it hides at the edge of reality, balance between physical and non-physical being. One of the authors of 20th century, Turba Vilasarma, the Assembly of the Philosophers, described it as a thing which is found everywhere, which is a stone and no stone. Compatible um, and precious, hidden and concealed, and yet known to everyone. Then he adds, it is the thing stronger and more sublime than all other things. It is familiar to all men, both young and old, explains an author, Gloria Mundi. Um, it is found in the country, in the village, in the town, in all things created by God, yet it is despised by all, which the poor handle it every day. It is cast into the streets by servants, maids, children play with it, yet no one prizes it. Although next to the human soul, it is the most beautiful and most precious thing upon the earth and has the power to pull down kings and princes. There, um, there is a secret stone. Oh, sorry. There is a secret stone, echoes another alchemist, hidden in the deep well, worthless and rejected, concealed in dung and filth. Our most precious stone. Laminates yet another cast forth upon the dung hill, being most dear, it is made of the vilest of the vile. What sort of definition can we put together from all these odd descriptions of the first matter? The very first expression of matter in the outline of its form, the image of within the one mind. That image-making power of consciousness is known as the Im imagination. Though the ancients have referred to it as the word or the thought of God. According to the Emerald Tablet, that power is reflected in the below in the mind of man. The alchemists believe that the common act of imagination was somehow connected to the transformation of the matter. They suspected that the imagination in transformation in, in all its chaotic forms from the horrific creatures of nightmares to the lofty visions of science is at the heart of the first matter. Um, it is the imagination that we discard in our youth as having no value. It is the imagination that is familiar to all, both rich and poor. It is the imagination which is hidden and yet known to everyone. It is the imagination that is the stone and no stone. Boom. So we, and I've talked about imagination over and over again um, and your childlike innocence. And we see this now because they, well, that's the philosopher's stone. Yes, it is. <laughs> it lives within you. Think about our imagination and how vast it is. It's bigger than anything that we can actually even describe. And for me, um, as a child, uh, it's nothing I discarded. I don't, I've never discarded my imagination, which is why <laughs> I don't care if people think I'm crazy. And that's been my, maybe my life, right? I have this imaginal world. My dream world is huge, too much to process in this material world, bigger than this material world, right? Think about your dreams um, at night. If you're not dreaming, well, everybody dreams, but if you're not remembering your dreams, you don't have dream recall, something that you want to do, you can start to journal. As soon as you wake up, try to journal, close your eyes, breathe a little bit. And sometimes the images will start coming through and then you can write a little bit and that helps you to have some dream recall. Okay, my dream recall is off the charts. It's it's too much, right? Um, and so, but our imagination, that dream world, if you did, nothing, nothing but sex dreams over here. Okay, so, but if you notice what happens when you dream, you live like 20 lifetimes in just one night. I mean, it's so vast. It's bigger than we can even imagine. <laughs> it's bigger than we can imagine. That's <laughs> funny. But it's huge, right? And, and when we start to look at that, we're like, holy crap. Like I've constructed and created 
different world. And I've had a whole lifetime in a dream. And yet we come here and we're like a day old, not a day older or eight hours older. But in our dreams, we've lived 20 lifetimes. You see, time is, what is time in our dreams? There, there, there's no such thing, right? It's everything and nothing. It's crazy, right? It's it, The imagination is so vast, so huge. Right now, and I've said this, and I know that you guys have been um, sticking in there. What I said is it's going to take imagination for us to reconstruct the earth. You see, we're stuck in somebody's imagination right now. They've created the uh, governments. They've created the storyline. They've created this false sense of, of, of life and how it's supposed to operate. The Ford model, the nine to five model was somebody's imagination that we now live in, that we now have accepted as truth. It has to be this way. They didn't used to live that way. Before the Ford model, before the industrial world, people lived based on the sun and agriculture and food. Now it's changed because someone had an imagination and said, hey, let's do it this way. And everybody said, okay. And now everybody's like, yes, we're going to live in that particular way of being. That is we're living in someone else's construct of the world. Nat, do you think dreams have a deeper meaning in our real life? Of course they do. Your your dreams and your imagination is <laughs> the closest thing to who you are. It's the more closest thing to your authentic self. It's a gem. You see, we play it out. We don't even realize it. It's it's hidden. We pull from the unconscious and it it stays latent in the subconscious and it plays out in the conscious world. Okay, let's see. There's three layers there. The unconscious, subconscious, conscious. Unconscious is everything and nothing that exists. You can say it's where archetypal energy starts to develop or is developed or is existent. Then that gets driven into our perhaps conscious mind. We sometimes don't like the unpleasant feelings and sensations that come up from that. We stuff it down into our subconscious mind and it plays out regardless. It all impacts us. That's why understanding this information is critical. People who are, are missing this part or this piece of the puzzle are there there you can't you can't liberate yourself without knowing this stuff there's no liberation because what you're doing is you're living under the spell of others you're living under others imagination of how the world is to be all of us you see 9 to 5 job is again the imagination of a man who said i'm going to make life easier by um, developing a system to create cars and we're going to do it from these are the hours we're going to work and now we've constructed it we constructed it across the world you see in india when i live there they take holiday all the time they're on holiday all the time every other day is a holiday they 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 enjoy life you go around to villages. You think the villages are saying, hey, it's uh, five o'clock, I'm, I'm done working. Or hey, it's nine o'clock. No, they follow the sun. They follow agriculture. We've created and constructed it. It's not the only way to exist, but we've created that. And somebody created it and we're living under somebody else's magic. Somebody else's sorcery, I would say. I don't even want to say it's magic. It's sorcery. It's manipulation. We've become slaves to a system. Not our system, somebody else's system who had an imagination and allowed their self to tap into that imagination. You see, we have access to that. They can't take that away from us. Now it's been sucked dry and nobody is allowed to have imagination. 
Oh, don't do that. No, no, no. We have a way of doing things in the real world. That's not real. That's just fake stuff. Indian people party so much they now have a billion people, yeah. And their family construct is different as well. So their their culture and their ways of living are different from ours as well. They honor marriage and um and they honor all that, those things and they stay together. Now it's changing, of course, because the Western mind has um plagued <laughs> I can't I don't even want to go into it because it, it is a plague it's a plague really honestly we want to talk about plagues and stuff well that's really more than this quote-unquote pandemic in my mind is the plague of the um, extraction of the western mind of colonization you know what what it you know what it does to people and and how it's created um, the human species and the mind okay yeah arranged marriages do and that's because it's arranged they understand that it's a duty you know it's a different mindset okay in India totally different we uh, as a Western uh, Westerners or people who have been a product of colonization, which is the most of the world at this point, um, literally cannot even tap into understanding how indigenous cultures lived fully in the imagination. Now, sometimes it's not good to be so extreme in the imagination or so extreme in the physical world and science that we can learn to bridge the bowl. So we're at this pivotal time in, in a new paradigm that's um, arising. Part of this podcast is a new paradigm shift. Some people don't understand what the hell I'm talking about. Some people are like, what? I don't get it. And that's okay. They don't have to get it. You see, the new paradigm is what we talk about is an awakening, right? It's an awakening of individuals. It's People say, well, we want everybody to awaken and the reality is some people are going to reject the paradigm. That happens in history over and over. These patterns repeat themselves, you see? It's not something different. You know, that's why it drives me bonkers when people act like they've discovered something new. There's nothing new. Maybe we rediscovered what was what was hidden or we're retelling a story that has, hasn't been um, told before um, in or hasn't been told in ages, but we're retelling the same shit. What I'm saying is nothing new. This paradigm shift is back to remind us, hey, you have an imagination. We don't have to accept what we see in the world. We can recreate it, but who's gonna stand up and recreate a new world? Who's gonna recreate, who's gonna use their imagination? Who's gonna lead people out of Egypt? Who's gonna stand up with their staff like Moses and say, no more, let us go. We're going to recreate. Then you have people say, hell yeah, I'm ready for it. And then they go out there and they go, hell no, take me back. I don't want to do this. It's not easy. It wasn't an easy task. You think it's easy to, to stand up? No. Does it make you popular? Hell no. It doesn't. <laughs> people don't want, they want the old. They want the comfort. They want to live in what was given to them to recreate something new. But why? We're doing just fine. No, we're not. We're lying to ourselves. That's what we're doing. We're lying to ourselves that it's okay to be slave drivers, nine to five, here we go. That's not, no. You think that's why we came to this planet? I mean, hey, if that's what you think, it's fine. No judgment, go ahead, believe that. But that's not this podcast. This podcast says it's a new paradigm. It's a new shift. You can do it if you want. There are consequences. There's no rejection of it. But this is a whole paradigm shift. And that's why you don't have, that's why there's not 500 people showing up to this podcast. If I were to talk about relationships, if I were to talk about, you know, I don't know. 
uh, freaking popular media. Guess what? I probably have an audience of God knows what. People aren't showing up to it's not popular. It's not easy. You think it was easy for Moses, Jesus Christ, Buddha, all them to stand? No, it wasn't. I'm sorry, it wasn't. It wasn't beautiful. They glorify it, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's a hard road. They nailed Jesus to the cross, right? They were like, hell no, this guy, no. What are you talking about? You're trying to change the, the, the consciousness of humanity. You're trying to change what we already know. How dare you? What are you to say of taxes, sir? <laughs> really? That's what your whole question is to me? You, Jesus Christ, right? For those who believe in the character, believe that Jesus, whatever you believe, could you imagine, right? It's like, what do you, sir, what do you believe in taxes? That's the question you're going to ask someone who's enlightened, um, who's walking the path, who's an alchemist. Like, give to Caesars what is Caesars. I don't care. <laughs> I have something greater. I have the imagination. And that can't be taken away from you. You see what I'm saying? U.S. didn't even have taxes. Yeah, see, it, it, taxes. Give unto, give it, give it, give it. Take it, take it. You want this phone? Take it. You want this? Take it. Have it all. I don't give a shit. <laughs> take it all. You know why? Because there's plenty more. There's plenty more. That's a scarcity mindset. I have to hold on to things. No, you don't. Not now. It's even easier said than done, right? And. Um, I would go into this like story that happened when I just, <laughs> I've let so much go. I go and come, I devour things and rebuild. That's what I do. I'm not afraid to lose everything. I've already lost everything. I, yeah, would, who cares? I have my body, I have my imagination and my know-how. And with that, I create and construct. I don't need to construct whole universes and say, I'm a God. I am God. I'm a small G, right? We are small Gs. We are an extension of God and we have the ability to co-create. So I just co-create my own little universe and my own little world. Take from the workers and they all live for free. Yeah. So we have that and that's part of it. So you guys understand what's going on now. It's going to take imagination. So I highly encourage you to tap into your imagination. It's there. It's just waiting for you to remember it. It has power with you. And if you let it, it can take over you. But see, I have too much imagination. Sometimes I float up too high and I'm like, Natalie, come back down. I need to come back down to earth. There's a nice balance because you can lose your mind and your imagination too. So there's this balance. Those people that have been lost in imagination, we call crazy. You see, there's nothing wrong with them. They're not crazy. We just don't honor that part of the human psyche because they're not a function in society. They can no longer be a slave to society. So you're, you're worthless to me. So go away. We're going to lock you up. But they have an imagination and they're they're too far. So someone needed to teach them to be grounded. How do I ground all of this energy potential that you have within you? You're so turned on to the imagination that you're not able to perhaps co-create with the world around you. So how do we bridge the gap between the two? Those people say hell with the system, right? Those are the people living in tent cities right now. Yes, some of them may be on drugs. I Whatever their story is, I don't care. But a lot of those individuals that are on the streets and they say have mental issues literally are so turned on by the imagination that they don't know how to ground themselves into the earth. And so they've created their own their own world. There's a whole world that exists out there that, you know, people, oh my God, what if this happens? What if that happens? Those people don't give two shits. They're living in tents. 
You see, that's why the poor person has a deeper imagination than someone who has perhaps a lot of material stuff. They lack that imagination, which is why the storyline can never go the way that they want it to go. Because they can't account for imagination. There's no way to. You could call it trickster energy, whatever you want. So these governments, right, these governments will um, go and they'll say, okay, we're going to do game theory. That was one thing that was brought up by one of the podcasters I remember was game theory. How do we take game theory? How do we apply it to see what the outcome is going to be? But they can't account for imagination. They don't know how to because everybody has a different imagination. Like we collective, right? We can tap into certain parts, but the way that you view the world, the way that I view the world is going to be different. And if we tapped into our dream world, into our active imagination, and we understood that they can't account for it. And, and that's why they can never come under one agenda. There's just no way the human mind won't allow for it. The human mind doesn't operate that way. They're trying to force a, a square into a circle and it's not, it's just not going to work. They're trying to do it in Australia right now. They're trying to make everybody conform and they think everybody's going to conform, but they're not because you can't do that. You can't just say, here's what we say. That's it. You don't have a choice. <laughs> what? 1986. Has anybody ever seen that movie or read that book? It's the human mind. It, the human mind doesn't understand you. This is it. It's just that when we're not robots <laughs> and we're never going to behave as such. I'm sure those people in high up places would just love for us to be robots. And right now they're just like, why can't they just do what we tell them? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, take from the workers. I prefer to live in a house. Yeah, I was a poor kid. Never want to be poor again. Um, do you believe in revelations? Okay. Um, yeah. So, and that's it. You, you, you have a house and that's your story. You know, I, I enjoy my comforts as well, but can I live in a tent? Hell yeah. If I had to. And trust me, I have an imagination and I would make it fun. That's what I used to do when I was a kid. <laughs> make it fun. <laughs> Pretend we're, I don't know, on some adventure or something. Um, do you believe in revelations? Um, you mean like in the Bible revelations? Is that what you're talking about? Is there a particular storyline you're talking about in terms of revelations? Would you give me a little bit of insight and I can probably stay on a little longer and give you my ideas. Let's see. Everything, but it, in Revelations, in terms of what? Like what the Bible says about Revelations? We have a bunch of people who've talked about end times, so I don't know exactly what storyline. Plagues, food shortages. So you're talking about like what the Bible says. Um, I believe that humans are dumb. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm putting myself into that as well. <laughs> Everyone again. I believe that we as humanity are dumb. We're dumb. We're dumb. I hate to say it, you guys. Like, let's call it like it is, right? It's not a personal attack on anybody. You guys, of course, are smart. Humans are dumb. <laughs> yeah. Humans do stupid shit, okay? We as a species, right? This is not a, a, and I'm putting myself in that, right? I'm not saying, oh, humans are dumb. I'm so smart. No. We make dumb mistakes and we continue to do it. We understand what's happening in the world. We have this huge opportunity to shift the consciousness, to change the way that we do things, right? We see that there has been a consequence for our actions. We see that overindulgence, which again is a sin, which means we're off the mark. And I don't want to get into all that. If you guys know what sin really means, it just means you're off the mark, okay? And when we look at what sin is and we see the seven sins, right? Most of it is overindulgence. 
We have overindulged. Okay. We have overindulged in everything. <laughs> and rather than be self-reflective of that, okay, and I'm not talking about just one individual person, right? I'm talking about collectively, like the collective consciousness. I just want to make sure that I make that clear because there are people who are trying their hardest to shift the consciousness, right? They were trying, they're saying, wake up, look at what's going on. You know, we have people around the world, do this, do that. It's become too convenient is what's happened. Everybody's too comfortable. See, you're comfortable in your home. Well, what if your home was to, had to be taken away in order to save the planet? What if everybody had to just live in a tent? And no electricity and no, or whatever. No showers, no taking of the resources, and you only get to shower once a week because we can't, we want to save the water. And we, and we, this and that and the other. See, we, we have to go back in time and know who wants that. See, it takes us looking at ourselves too. We live in our comforts. You see, and it's hard because who's going to give up the comfort first? While we do see people giving up comforts, there are people who are saying, no, um, they're trying to do uh, communities that um, use uh, technology that works in tandem with nature as opposed to extracting from nature. We've extracted and extracted and extracted. And before you know it, we can consume all the resources. So we are creating our own hell on earth. You know, we are. And we have a choice to stop to stop doing that but we won't and we've seen the destructions of many civilizations over and over again this is the pattern of humanity i hate to say it but it's the truth if you look back in history history repeats itself they always say that right well look at what happened in rome look at what happened in egypt I mean, you can just look at all these ancient civilizations that are abandoned. They're beautiful structures. Oh, they're so magnificent. Nobody lives there. They're just a waste. They're just there for what? For beauty, to look at, to uh, observe, to try to understand why they existed. I mean, that's what we do as humans. Why did this building exist? What is the ancient text on this building? Nobody's living in it. Nobody's utilizing that space. Desolute gone that's what we see happening again civilizations will crumble because that's what we do we destruct we devour we recreate now will we survive possibly but we could make ourselves go distinct too that's a possibility as well okay our our human species may may go extinct one day and that's possible the answer is always aliens. Yes, I know. I love Giorgio Sukulos, by the way. I can't, I want to meet him. <laughs> and uh, uh, Eric von Dannegan. No such thing as aliens. <laughs> um, so when we look at ancient civilizations and we see it, yeah, we, we are causing our own Armageddon. Now, could Armageddon, um, you know, happen with... Um, uh, other things like in the cosmos absolutely you know we're in the center of all of this rocks and matter and you know a rock could come and hit the earth and boom done you know that's part of life though right is death and that's okay i think it's understanding the process of life and death we never really truly die because our energy our matter continues on you know we turn back into the earth and to stone and if the earth got hit by a meteorite, we become part of the meteorite because we would be part of the earth and all the fire and everything. So we start to, we, we, it never goes away, right? And the energy that we have within us dissipates, right? We could say it goes into the heavens or whatever you want to call it, but our energy never dies either. It gets separated and it gets transformed into something new. Aliens created everyone and everything. <laughs> okay. So, Revelations. Um, have you ever seen one? Uh, yeah, I am one. 
You guys are listening to an alien. <laughs> you didn't know, did you? So there you go. I'm an alien. Yeah, I'm an alien. We, in, in, in a way, we are aliens. Humans are aliens to this earth. We're the only species like ourselves. And, you know, there are talks about how we went from all of a sudden, we evolved overnight, pretty much. They're just like, okay, well, we look in the historical record, it kind of makes sense. But if we looked at evolution, does it really make sense with human species? Okay, so, so again, and, and you know, we could go into these topics or whatever, but the, the main point is that we have a vessel right now. You have you right now. You have a consciousness right now that lives in the vessel right now at this very moment. You have an opportunity to shift and change your world, to change the way that you think, to change the way that you engage the world. You have that opportunity right now. Okay. And you can either do it or not. And it's your choice. Sorry. Oh, I didn't even see Christine. Sorry. I didn't even see all these things that you said. I felt like it was discarded because we've been taught to get the clouds of focus. Okay. It's possible to start all over again and create a new version of ourselves from scratch. Yes, it is. Um, I had a girl in my school who entirely convinced me she was from Pleiades. Yes, there's ways to tap into your origin story. And that's something for another day because that would go on for five more hours or whatever because I've been going long on these things. Oh, my God. I usually do a half hour, but. You guys ask questions, and then I try to give some answer, some insight to it. So revelations, um, I think it's just a vision of what we can create if we continue down the world uh, road of self-sabotage. We're self-sabotaging species. No, because humans are stupid. <laughs> humans are, we're interesting. We don't learn. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. I try to get on these podcasts. I don't know what else I can do, right? This is this is how I feel I can give back. Hopefully, somebody out there will listen and want to make a difference. I don't know. I mean, I do what I can, but it's very hard. Humans are very selfish species. Yeah, and we are. And there's nothing wrong with it, but we're selfish. Um, <laughs> why are we selfish? <laughs> It's okay to be selfish. Be selfish for things like happiness and joy and harmony. No, we're selfish for like material shit. Like I want this and I need the new this and I need the new that and more, 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 more and more food and more this. And before you know it, there's nothing left. It's like the giving tree. Read that book. Okay. It's a kid's book. <laughs> it's called the giving tree. I don't know if you guys have read it. Has anybody read it? They can destroying everything, then complain, then complaining about everything. I know, <laughs> isn't that funny? Okay, good. I'm I'm glad, GP man, you've read it. There's another book called Who Moved My Cheese. That's another idea about how the <laughs> animals are smarter than humans, <laughs> and we think we're so smart and we're so enlightened. Oh my God, sorry, I shouldn't do that. That's not nice. I read that too. Good, GP man. That's why you stay on here. <laughs> I like, uh, thanks, The Rock. I like that. Destroy everything, then complain about everything. That is like right there. Boom. That is it right there. They destroy everything and complain, right? Humans are no. So it's hilarious. That's what we do. We're the ones destroying it, and then we're the ones bitching about it. And I'll give this last thing that I think is kind of funny. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Um, <laughs> um, on my Facebook, right, um, someone had wrote, a friend of mine was like, um, have you guys ever dated on Facebook or been on the dating Facebook app or whatever? Um, 
And so I decided to chime in because I just think those online things are weird. I've never done it, right? So I put on there, well, I don't even care about dating. It's not even, I don't care about all that stuff, right? But I did have to chime in because I thought it was funny. And I put, never have I ever, well, no, all I saw were a bunch of complaints about the people where I live. Oh, dating in New Mexico is terrible. Oh, dating. Yeah, everybody's terrible. Like all these people and all the people that are bitching about the people in New Mexico are from New Mexico. <laughs> so I had to say something. Humans are funny. They don't even realize what they're doing, right? So I just wrote on there. I was like, never have I ever been on any kind of dating app whatever i said but i think what i think is funny is that all of us new mexicans are on here complaining about all of us new mexicans right and so that i mean that's what we do you're we create the situation we don't like and then we bitch about it but we don't realize and we don't self-reflect that we're the ones who created the shit now because i i didn't it wasn't me no it's all of us because we're a species and our species is very self-destructive. And because here's the deal, because we can't learn to love ourselves and we can't work on ourselves and we think that it's everybody else and we can't take personal responsibility for how we engage with those feelings, we self-sabotage and then we sabotage the world as within, so without. And in every cycle, at every turn of every drop of every civilization rises a spiritual people that tell you the answers are within, they're not without. There is nothing new under the sun that I'm saying on these things. It sounds new. People are like, I don't understand it. Yes, you do. You totally understand it. You know why it was your God given birthright. You do understand it. You're just as enlightened as the person who says they're enlightened. You are that powerful. Okay? So you are, and you do have that power. Now, how do you utilize it? That's the question. Self-sabotage and sabotage the world and then everybody explodes and who gives a shit, right? <laughs> That's what we see happen in history. If you just put it in a simple sentence, we don't even need to make up. And then they came and they, da, 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 and they put all this pretty story on it. The reality is we're, we're greedy, we're selfish, we want it more. We want it what that guy had across the street. And he didn't want to give it to us. And we thought, well, we need to expand our empire. So I'm just going to go shoot them up and kill all of them. And now I have your stuff. So thank you, dude. That's really what happened. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to overtake this. And now we're going to go overtake that. Oh, good technology. Look at this. Oh, cool. Let's blow shit up. Oops. We killed everything. That's, I mean, that's really, we keep repeating that shit over and over again. Crazy. Um, Okay, so what do you got? You guys are talking about relationships here, huh? Let's see. I agree. My dog understands English and Spanish. I have no idea why he's barking half the time. <laughs> That's funny. Only day for sex. Most women are crazy. Man-hating feminists. Uh, I'm done dating. Um, I'm just going to make the ugly money now. Um, I wanted love and didn't get it. So no more sharing my kindness. I want to blow shit up. Okay. So, all right. So you guys talking about relationships. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You guys do what you want with relationships. All I'm saying is take your, take yourself and recognize that you have the power and you're able to co-create. And us humans and revelations is really our own doing. If we go down that path of revelations, it's because we did it to ourselves. That's it. The end. Right? So, no, I'm not going to blow shit up. I live in harmony. I don't need to do that. What I blow up is my kung fu, right? That explosive punch that comes out of me. That's what I blow. I explode my punches and my kicks 
And that way I can protect myself if somebody were tried to harm me. That's what I blow up. I take that chi inside of me and I redirect it into the force of my hands or the extension of my broadsword. And I practice and I radiate that energy. Okay. That's what I do. Because Thai, uh, uh, Kung Fu is, is the alchemic, spiritual alch alchemist way of operating. I don't care what anyone says. It is, it is the way. They created a system that is so phenomenal that I don't believe anybody could call themselves an alchemist without doing Kung Fu. That's my belief. Okay, that's a belief. And I, I just, I don't know how you couldn't. It wouldn't make sense. I, I would think every alchemist would come to that system. It is one of the most comprehensive systems of explosive energy that you could possibly imagine. And what does it do? Does it harm anyone? No. In fact, what it does, it, it heals you. It heals you. Freaking amazing. Okay, so there you have it. I've kind of went on way too long here. <laughs> Thank you guys for engaging and indulging and whatever. Um, but you guys have a fantastical day. Of course, I will be on tomorrow. Um, and I will be seeing you guys soon. And love and light and all that good stuff. Okay, bye-bye. Appreciate your service. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. All right, bye-bye.